everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy, alongside Keelan McNamara and Hunter Boss. And today, guys, we have a great episode. It is fight week. Unreal fight, by the way, that needs to be talked about. So we will be talking about it all this week. Volkanovski, Islam Mahachev. I cannot believe it's happening for the belt. Volk's trying to become the fourth ever person to do it. It's going to be exciting. But today, we're talking... Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler being booked. Laura Sanko made her commentary debut. Derek Lewis fight and Fedor retired. Starting off, though, Hunter, what is the fantasy MMA update? Who is in the lead? Mm, yeah, so Jack is still in the lead with seven points right now. Uh, I am still in second with five points. And Keelan is in third with three points. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you very much. I just everyone like... got one point this week except Keelan. Sorry, Keelan. <laughs> <laughs> you got robbed on one though. Do a choice for the one. You got robbed yeah. on one, but but yeah, that's all right. We move. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, guys, Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler for tough, and they're gonna fight is official. I am so excited about this. I want to hear what you guys have to say, Hunter. What do you think about this news? It's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting in all aspects of the field. It's exactly what Tuff needed. It's what Conor McGregor needed. And it's what, honestly, it's what Michael Chandler needed. All right. Everyone's getting what they want right now, except maybe Conor McGregor. I'm sure he doesn't want to do a whole other season of Tuff, but he's not going to say that. He's not going to come out publicly and say that. And I think he had fun of the last season, if we're yeah. being honest. Uh, Uriah Faber's season, even though I wasn't there, it seemed like it was a lot of fun just to be around that atmosphere. Um, but all in all, this is going to be a fantastic season of tough. Um, I feel like we've been talking about this for weeks now, even though the news just finally got confirmed. But I am so excited for this to all happen. The fight itself between the two of them is going to be really exciting. To see the two different levels of coaching is going to be really interesting because we saw how Connor coaches, and I think it's pretty effective. But Michael Chandler, I feel like, could be a really good coach because he's not just coaching striking. He's not just coaching wrestling. He is coaching MMA. That man is Probably the best, most well-rounded uh, MMA fighter at lightweight, I would say. Either him or like Dustin or hard to really say. But I would say Michael Chandler and well-roundedness would go to him. So it's going to be a really interesting season. They haven't announced what weight classes they're going at. They haven't announced if it's going to be male and female or just male or just female, whatever it's going to be. Um, so there's still a lot of questions yet to be answered. But we will be there waiting and giving you guys the answers to all that when that comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better, Hunter. What a season we have on our hands, gentlemen. This is really, really good. As good old JR Jim Ross would say, business has just picked up and it is long overdue, I have to say. I mean, look, it's like Hunter said, and he's absolutely right. It feels like we've been talking about this for weeks now because it almost has been weeks that we've been talking about it now. Um, but it's a brilliant decision in every facet. It's a brilliant decision. In fact, it's probably the best decision the UFC have made this year, I would argue, and um, notwithstanding all the other controversies. It's just really, really smart all around. Michael Chandler gets the red pantsy night that he's been calling for and does deserve, in all fairness. Conor McGregor gets thrust back into the spotlight again brilliant way to keep him relevant even though he's been on a really bad losing skid the fans get a phenomenal season of tough the best tough in maybe five six years i would argue i think just all around everybody wins dana white wins because ratings are going to go through the roof of the performance institute and all around no one loses out of this now what does interest me is the weight class it'll be at 
I'm leaning towards thinking it'll be 170 because Michael Chandler's made it clear he wants 170 and Conor McGregor, given his current massive physique, is not going to cut down to 155. I do not see this happening. Now, of course, we don't know. That's just a guess. But either way, it's going to be phenomenal, you know. Um, it'll be interesting to see when Conor re-enters the USADA testing pool because he hasn't re-entered it yet. Per Damon Martin of MMA Fighting, shout out him for the information. Uh, so yeah, um, I mean, if that's an international fight week fight, that would be brilliant. I really do think so. An all round to answer the question. I'm very, very excited. It's a smart move. Nobody loses. Everybody wins, and we win the most because we get to watch it all unfold. Yeah, I'm excited, guys. Like, I'm I'm genuinely excited, and I think this is the best step for Conor McGregor's career, and honestly, the right move for Michael Chandler as well. I mean, he cut one of the best promos ever when he knocked out Tony Ferguson for this Conor McGregor fight, and he's getting it, and he deserves it. Um, we talked about this on not the last podcast, the one before that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I talked about how Michael Chandler makes such a great coach, and there's so many reasons that you guys talked about, but. Just watch the man on his Instagram post those training videos. Mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson, by far the craziest training. But Michael Chandler is probably a close second. I mean, he's doing all sorts of stuff. He's going all out. He is all about the, the training lifestyle, all about the grind. It's going to be fantastic. I am so excited. You know, more than just fight IQ and being well-rounded and all of that, Michael Chandler is motivational. You know, see you at the top, all that stuff. Like, he he's really going to inspire his team. And I think he's going to make a great coach. And we've seen what Connor can do. And Connor's kind of, you know, maybe we'll see another different side to him this time. Now he's going to be behind guys. Now people supporting him. And maybe this will be good for him as well. I don't know. I'm very excited about this. The trash talk is going to be amazing. We know this. I'm just happy it's official. We got another special announcement for it. I love these special announcements. Keep them coming. I, I hope this is the only way news is announced from now on. It's just Dana White going live on Instagram. And we get to, oh, what's the announcement going to be? I love it. Um, And they're going to fight. Which is even better. Like we saw, we saw Connor through the whole tough season with Uriah Faber. Did not fight Uriah Faber. Now we're gonna get to see him through a whole tough season, and they're going to fight. I feel like that's just gonna take the trash talk to another level and add more meaning to it as well. Oh, it's gonna be so good, guys! It's gonna be so good, and I'm excited. Um, I hope also, you know, we Hunter mentioned it. We don't know who they're gonna be coaching yet. What weight class? You know, if it's gonna be men, if it's gonna be women. I'm hoping it's heavyweights. That would be fun if it was like a heavyweight, you know, a heavyweight division gets more talent in there. Plus, how hilarious would it be to see Michael Chandler and and Conor McGregor just coaching guys for like three times the size of them? That'd be amazing. I don't know if that'll happen though. Um, but great stuff. Also, something that was amazing this past weekend was Laura Senko making her UFC commentary debut and history for combat sports. As she is the first woman to announce a uh, UFC card. Um, so Hunter, what did you think about her commentary debut for the UFC? Yeah, um, honestly, I thought the beginning was a little uh, rough. Um, she had a r- bit of a rough start. She was either really fast when she was talking or just not necessarily confident in her speaking uh, tone, uh, per se. I heard her kind of like talk, saying a few things like under her breath. And it's her first time out there on the big on the big lights. You know, I'm going to give her the, the pass. We all want Laura Sanko to do well. So I'm OK with her, you know being nervous the first time out but i'm hoping the second time around it's a little bit better um the chemistry seemed a little forced between bisping and um all three of them that were commentating i don't know i think there's just better people to pair laura senko up with i think bisping's a little too much to do it you need someone like dominic cruz who's going to be like a little bit more mellow and a little bit more analytical 
or maybe pair it up with the John Anna because Laura Senko is a personality. You know, you know, you got to yeah. let her personality flourish. So I thought it was overall pretty fun to watch. Just hearing her was it was, it was delightful because I love watching the weigh-in show and everything that she's on. I I do enjoy following. So see, seeing her at the commentary booth, a lot of fun. Hope she does more in the future. Yeah, I thought it was a great move. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think Hunt has made a very fair observation there. I think maybe the first opening half an hour to an hour was maybe a little bit patchy. But again, it was her first time doing it. And you would expect that from anybody, you know. It doesn't matter if you're commentating like the most amateur of amateurish MMA events or a UFC card. If it's your first time doing it, there's going to be um, creases to iron out. You know, that's just the same for anybody. But I definitely think the longer the broadcast went on, the stronger she got. And that's to her credit. She was able to rebound um, and she did a very good job holding her own as well. Um, I thought some of her critiques and her viewpoints were very well articulated. I think she put across a lot of her own views very well. Um, I do think Hunter's made an excellent point, though, with the people she was paired with. I think the personnel choice, this was maybe a bad idea because like Michael Bisping is pretty much from my part of the world. And I understand where Hunter's coming from, you know, whether you're Irish from the UK, whatever, um, we tend to speak very fast and we can be very loud whenever we're trying to get our point across. And with someone like Laura Sanko, who's a bit more mellow and sort of more flowing in terms of getting her point across, I think that was maybe a bad match. That's not anybody's fault. I just think it's a clash of personalities in that way. But in terms of the actual ability to do the job, I thought she was brilliant. I Like Hunter, I really enjoyed it. And I'd like to see her do a lot more. I really would. Um, another person who I would love to see do it is Megan O'Leavy, because I think she's really... I rate Megan O'Leavy so highly... And I think in terms of actual commentator ability, I think Megan O'Leavy would be a great fit alongside John Anik in DC as well, actually. Um, I think really with this, what it shows is that there are so many opportunities to take this in so many different directions. I thought it was fresh. I thought it was new. And I really enjoyed it. You know, I respect all the guys that commentate, but I don't like hearing the same voices every week as well. It's nice to freshen things up and change it about. But overall, Laura Sanko, I'm very happy for her. Like Hunter said, she deserves this. She's more than worthy of the opportunity. And I think she did a great job. Yeah, no, I agree. I think she did a great job. I, I think that she did really good individually. She got thrown in with the, the UK crew, the the like um the overseas crew. That's John Gooden and Michael Bisping are the two uh, commentators who will do the odd cards that are in weird locations and this was supposed to be in south korea which is why the card was so late for people that live on the east coast i can't even imagine what time it was for for ireland maybe keelan woke up and saw the fights but for 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 us it was it was like what it was for the uk and for you know hunter he got to experience the east coast time zone so it was also a little weird um as far as that goes but i thought she did a good job you know the chemistry is going to be weird i never i mean John Gooden and Michael Bisping and whoever they do, it's always kind of a little weird because they never put those three together because it's very rare that they do that. Um, I would love to see her do another fight night, whether it's an Apex or, or go to a location um, and do it with Brendan Fitzgerald and and potentially Paul Felder or something like that. Kind of like more of a standard like fight that. night crew. Um, and and I, I don't know. I thought she individually did a great job. Um you know, everything you guys talked about, it's just exciting. I'm, I'm happy for her because she's been campaigning for this for so long. She's really wanted to do it. And that's been one of her goals 
since being in the UFC is to become a commentator. So I'm happy for her. I think she did a great job. And uh, I think the future is bright for, for Laura Sankyo and other women who want to follow her path and become commentators. So yeah, I love to see it. So yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, Jack, but just to add on one more thing, I think the Brendan Fitzgerald shout is really good because they did Dana White's contender series a lot, yeah. you know, back in the day. Um, it's not like, she hasn't done commentating before. Yeah, she yeah. did all of Dana White's contender series and they she she does a few like uh stand in booths all the time. But um yeah, no, this is gonna be really fun when she's added to the actual like three person crew. I hope I hope she can do a pay-per-view at some time. Maybe like yeah. next year pay-per-view. I don't yeah. know. Give it a year, then she'll find her place. Totally. Yeah, I have to say I really love the Brendan Fitzgerald shout, Jack. I think that's very smart. And I think it works as well because of what all three of us have just been talking about. I think when you have someone like Brandon Fitzgerald and someone like Laura Sanko, they're both very easy on the ear. They're both very, you enjoy listening to them because, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like John Gooden and I like Michael Bisping a lot, but sometimes they can be very sort of not harsh, but they can kind of be quite jagged and go in different directions when they're commentating. Sometimes they can be really loud. Sometimes they can just be really quiet but with Brendan Fitzgerald and Laura Sanko, I think that consistency would be really, really great. And I think, like Hunter said as well, because they did um, the Contender series, um, I just think it would be a brilliant fit. So I am more than all for that. Yeah, 100%. And uh, bringing back to Hunter's point about the pay-per-view, she could do the overseas pay-per-view that Joe Rogan doesn't go to because he only mm-hmm. does pay-per-views in the States. Good idea. They always need to fill in for those pay-per-views, and they usually rotate between Paul Felder, Michael Bisping, uh, and Dominic Cruz sometimes, although Cruz doesn't do that many pay-per-views. Anymore. He doesn't really do overseas pay-per-views. Yeah, so throw Laura Senko in there. So, like, you usually do at least three or four overseas pay-per-views, right? Have Paul Felder do one, have Michael Bisping do one, have Laura Senko do one, right? And by a year, she should be perfectly fine and, and ready for that. So, yeah. Brendan Fitzgerald does a lot of overseas, too, though. So, it's got to got rotate between all well, four of them. He, but he, Anik does the, because they always have the guy that, like, is the um person the, who reads all the, the ads and thing. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I don't think Brendan Fitzgerald. I don't know if I've seen him do a pay per view because usually Anik does all the overseas pay per views and everything. I've never seen him do a pay per view either. Yeah, so Anik, it's, 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 it's in there. Yeah. Well, on that same card, Derek Lewis fought in the main event and lost again. Unfortunately, is this the end of Derek Lewis, guys? What did you think about Derek Lewis's unfortunate loss to Sergey Spivak in the main event of this uh, fight night? I think it's the end of him winning in the rankings. I don't think it's the end of him fighting in the UFC. I mean, he's he's a heavy punch. You know, all he needs is one. Yeah. If he finds it, he'll get it. Um, I feel like he's always been in it to make money. So I don't think the rankings are really... I think he's upset with himself, but I don't think he's upset as other fighters might be by falling out of the rankings. Um, Derek Lewis is a great personality, and he will stay as a fan favorite for the UFC for however long he wants to fight in the UFC. Um, but yeah, this is... Say goodbye to the rankings. If he wants to hang it up, everyone would understand you know, he's had a great career, um, but right now there's no way he go, comes back from the top to the top. Um, he could peak in the rankings again, at like 15 through 10. But honestly, there's so many better heavyweights out there nowadays, and he's just getting older and older as the year goes on. So I hope he stays in the UFC, but I would not be surprised if this was the end of Derek Lewis in the UFC. Yeah, it was disappointing. There's really no other way of saying it, unfortunately. And I think with Derek Lewis, we're just at a point where the game has passed him by, to be honest. Um, I think for like I think maybe two, three years ago when he was fighting for the title shot with Daniel Cormier, which is an incredible career achievement in its own right, notwithstanding everything he's been through already. 
I think the problem is, is that back then, that was the last era of one-dimensionality being enough to get you into the top end of the rankings. And I think what we're seeing with the current, not just the current generation of heavyweight, the Sergei Pavloviches, the Sergei Spivaches, I think what we're seeing with the next generation of fighter is that being one-dimensional simply is not enough. You know, it just isn't. And we saw that with Derek Lewis, who quite frankly got beat up pretty easily by Sergei Spivak. Um, and to be honest with you, you know, it's hard for me to disagree with Hunter here. I could see this very well being the end for Derek Lewis, in which there is absolutely no shame whatsoever because he's had a phenomenal career. He's he's the casual's favorite, which is a good title to have. It means people will always pay to watch you in some way or the other. Um, but in terms of being competitive in the rankings, this is it for Derek Lewis. Um, he it's a bit like Jairzinho New Rosenstroik, but not to the same degree. In that, I'm just not convinced that he's got what it takes anymore. Um, he'll he'll always be he'll always be entertaining. He'll always be relevant in that degree. But in terms of an impact in the rankings, this is it for Derek Lewis, unfortunately. It's been really great watching him, and I will always wish him well, regardless of who he fights. But time's passed him by, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, unfortunately, the uh, tie to Ivasa fight changed a lot for Derek Lewis in the fact that whenever he's fought since then, he doesn't look as comfortable on the feet. Not that he can't land his strikes, but in his chin. Because whenever he actually got knocked out, the first time I've really seen him get clean knocked out. Because he's been TKO before, but he got flattened. And that never happens to Derek Lewis. He's a stud. And it's age. It's the fact that he doesn't have really good striking defense. He doesn't move very well. So he's just taking a lot of shots. And eventually you face a guy who's like a, a younger Mark Hunt and lands that on you. It It, it changes the mindset. And... I saw that in the Sergey Spivak fight that, one, that's also a terrible matchup for him because Spivak, obviously, we saw what he did. He just ragdolled him. He took him to the ground. Derek Lewis would stand up. he just drag him back down, same, like, over, like, 15 times. So it was a bad matchup, but also just on the feet in general, the way he was swinging, he was going swinging for the fences, but not like he used to. Like, he, he, he looked just uncomfortable. He looked like he didn't want to get hit. And I just, it's a sign of age. It's a sign of being in so many wars. So... I don't know. I'd like to see him fight maybe once or, or two more times in the UFC, but give him, you know, an unranked fighter. Give him someone really low in the rankings who's also a striker, you know. Give him a favorable matchup that he likes and and um, maybe a nice send-off. But I don't think I don't think we're going to see Derek Lewis too many more times in the UFC. And I think that's a good thing because he's had a legendary career. Um, he's fought for a title against Daniel Cormier, which is crazy. Uh, he, he, he really went all out, so... Um, it's just unfortunate. It's every time we, we always have this conversation. We have this conversation with the cowboy. We have this conversation with like Diego Sanchez. There's always those guys where they reach that point in their career. And it's like, ah, you know what? Like Tyron Woodley, not too long ago, same sort of situation. So, um, but we all love Derek Lewis and, and um, just an unfortunate, it's, it's hard to see him lose, but Sergey Spivak also did a great job and you have to give credit to him as well. He should go do boxing. Out That's of like all idea. the UFC fighters yeah. that actually retire and go do boxing, I think he would do the best yeah. as in just drawing people's eyes. And, you know, he's got great hands. You know, he's never been about his wrestling game. So boxing could be a lot of fun for Derek Lewis. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually, Hunter. I like that. You know, put him up against like a Vitor Belfort or something. You know, why not? I'd watch it. Um, But yeah, yeah I, 
<laughs> Screw it, give them Tina Ortiz, absolutely. I'd pay for and that. I'd love to see I, that. I would pay for that, <laughs> yes. Imagine Tina Ortiz getting flattened by Derek Lewis. Well, he got flattened by, by Anderson Silva just punching like that. Imagine what yeah. Derek Lewis would do to him. <laughs> I'm enjoying imagining it, I'm not going to lie to you. But yeah, with Derek Lewis, I actually think it was maybe the Cyril Gann fight that changed Derek Lewis. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say that is when we, I mean, we've spoken about Cyril Gann so many times on this podcast, and rightfully so. And I think when Derek Lewis fought Cyril Gann, something in his head realized that, you know, this new era of heavyweight, they have so many weapons and I just, I have nothing. He really doesn't. Because all Derek Lewis had, and I'm not speaking bad about Derek Lewis, because you guys know we all love Derek Lewis, but it felt like when swinging for the fences didn't work, it was like, well, shit, that's it. What do I do now? And the problem is, is that when it comes to Cyril Gallon, tied to Ivasa, whoever it is, that's all he's got. And that that's a problem now because it's it just doesn't work anymore. But I'd absolutely love to go and see him box. Um, I think it would be really, really good. I'd love to see him get a send-off fight against like a Jared Vandera or someone, you know, give him a fight that he can win and let him go off in a blaze of glory because he does deserve it. And the guy has entertained so many times, you know. He's gone viral for many of his now cancelable comments, even though no one will ever ever cancel us. But yeah, um, overall, I I think this is it for Derek Lewis. Maybe one more fight, maybe two more fights. But after that, go do boxing. Go get the bag. Black based boxing. I'm here for it. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. I I agree. That's a great idea, Hunter. And absolutely. Well, we saw one of the greatest MMA fighters ever fight his last fight in Bellator on Saturday. It was on the main CBS channel. It was a tough watch, but Fedor retired and all the best to him. One of the best, if not the best, greatest or heavyweight of all time. Hunter, what did you think about Fedor, his retirement, and what do you think about his legacy that he leaves in MMA? I wish they stopped announcing retirement fights. Because yeah. I feel like they always lose that fight whenever they announce it's their, their retirement fight, you know? Um, but the whole, I, thought, I thought the picture at the end was one of the coolest pictures I've ever seen in all of MMA, you know, surrounded by complete legends of the sport, you know, former opponents. If I were a fighter and I had a reputation like Fedor's and I retired, that's exactly how I'd want to go out, uh, minus the getting knocked out by Ryan Bader part, you know? Yeah. But um, <laughs> honestly, uh, he had one of the best careers you could ever ask for. You know, he fought the best heavyweights of all time, minus like two or three UFC heavyweight champions. And you know, he's had a great career. He's got everything to be happy about. Uh, I think there's still a talk for him being the greatest heavyweight of all time. You know, Stipe Miocic is in that conversation, but I don't think he's done nearly as much as Fedor has. So I would personally co- clarify or classify him as the greatest of all time when it comes to heavyweight. Um, I know he lost to Verdum, and that's Stipe beat Verdum, but that's just one fight. You can't you can't judge a whole career on one fight. And now that Stipe's been losing lately. He's in the same boat as Fedor is, where he's on and off again. So to compare the two, it's, I think it's getting easier and easier as the day go, days go by. Fedor was the greatest heavyweight of all time. So I'm happy to see that he's retiring. I'm happy to see he's going to be with his family. And I wish him all the best in the future. 
Yeah, um, I actually like where Hunter's coming from there. I wish they would stop announcing fights as final fights. I mean, even if we know it's the final fight, let us have that. Because it, it does seem to put a sort of hoodoo on the person whose final fight it is. And obviously we don't want that because that just sucks one way or the other. But um, look, congrats to Ryan Bader. Um, he's looked brilliant since he's gone to Bellator. Uh, admittedly, yes, it's Bellator, but he still looks like a hell of a fighter. And it was a great performance against um the true last temper. Um, you know, but good performance. I give him his props one way or the other. As for Fedor Emelianenko, I mean, there's there's a lot of people out there who aren't old enough to remember Fedor for Fedor Emelianenko. But for those of us who are old enough and passionate enough to remember prime Fedor Emelianenko, he was built different. He really, really was. He was the prototype for the modern heavyweight fighter. You know, if you look at the Cyril Gans um, and fighters like him, even Cain Velasquez, who I would maybe argue is still the greatest ever, um, the lineage of the modern fighter at heavyweight goes through Fedor Emelianenko. That's it. I mean, I don't have to talk about pride and all the legendary moments we got from that because we've talked about that so many times. But the guy is just, he's not just one of the greatest heavyweights ever. He's one of the greatest fighters to ever exist in a squared circle, in an octagon, whatever arena of battle, he is one of the greatest ever. Um, and I really like what Hunter said there as well about the Verdum fight. You know, one fight never defines a career. One match never defines a player's career. Um, just all around one of the greatest ever. I'm really happy he will spend the time that he's earned with his family now. Um, he belongs forever on the Mount Rushmore of MMA. Whether it's first, second, it doesn't matter. Fedor Emelianenko will always be one of the greatest. And it was a true privilege to get to witness such a great career absolutely i mean he is one of those guys where you look at his record and it's like how is that possible he has like 60 wins he might have like 10 losses but he has been fighting fedor's prime was in pride and he's fought and kept winning since when he fought Fabrizio Verdum, that was not Fedor in his prime even then so the fact that that's even in the conversation like he has won so much over a crazy period of time. One of the most legendary fights in MMA history. One of the defining moments in combat sports history was him versus Mirko Krokop in Pride. And oh. that is arguably, not even arguably, I'd say that's the biggest fight in Pride history as yes. far as viewership and, and meaningful. And, and really at that time, it was not the UFC's heavyweight division, which was the number one. It was Pride. And that is where everybody, like, the UFC was sending guys. Like, they were sending Chuck Liddell over to Pride to prove that the UFC was good because that's where Pride was the thing. And Fedor dominated. Fedor owned Pride. And then he went on to fight, I think, what was it, Strike Force, something like that. And he, yep. he won championship at Strike Force. He did everything except for become UFC champion, but he beat the best of the best over his whole entire career. And look, He's what he's is he almost 50? Is he 50 right now? How I think old he's is he? 46 God. or something? Yeah. Which is so crazy. His record is 40 and, and seven now that he lost to Ryan Bader, but That's I'm pretty great. sure he's 46. That's great. So he's been, yeah, what just a legendary career, a legendary career that that is honestly unmatched as far as the legacy goes at heavyweight. Um, and yeah, I it's just. It's always it's good to see a retirement where a guy deserves it. And it was so cool. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that where you had 
every single like name of like a legend was pretty much there. Like Hoist Gracie was there and they all lined up and took that picture. That was that's one of the most, you know, royal pictures in MMA history is what was just taken there. And um he even won the fight before that by knockout. He he knocked out uh I don't know his name, but he I fought Johnson. Name. Yeah, he, something, something Johnson. Um in, in Moscow. And he knocked that's him right. out in like the first round. So that that's just bonkers, guys. That is ridiculous. So so much credit to Fedor. What a legendary career. And it's it's it was a privilege to see him, even though you know Ryan Bader spoiled us of another great moment. But um credit to Fedor and 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 all the best to him. Guys, thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. You can listen to us everywhere, literally everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. Check out us on Instagram and Twitter. And thank you everyone so much for listening. Thank you, guys.